Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. For eight generations, the Samuels family has distilled American whiskey. Today, Rob Samuels, the grandson of founder Bill Samuels Sr., oversees the operation of the Maker's Mark Distillery. From the soft red winter wheat they've sourced from the same local farm for over 60 years to the char in their barrels, every step in the bourbon-making process is carefully crafted just like Bill Samuels Sr. did when he first created the handmade bourbon. For their excellent spirits and their support of this podcast, SFA thanks Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark crafts their bourbon carefully. Please enjoy it that way. It will not surprise you to know, John T., that I have visited Dollywood in all of its iterations. Gold Rush Junction, Silver Dollar City, and it seems everybody feels some kind of way about Dollywood. I've never been to Dollywood, but I do have a Dollywood story. Back in the 1980s, when I was living in Atlanta, my favorite performer was a guy named Deacon Lunchbox. He was a cross-dressing spoken word artist who did his routines while banging on a bucket and even cranking a chainsaw. He's also the author of one of my favorite poetry couplets about a foil trip to Sevierville. It goes this way. They've got drug-sniffing dogs at Dollywood. My vacation plans are ruined. (laughs) Nice. Seriously, though, let's talk about Dollywood which employs thousands of people, serves as an economic engine, and draws tourists to a place where dollars are too few. And Dollywood has recently started marketing itself as a foodie mecca. I'm Melissa Hall. And I'm John T. Edge. We're your hosts for Gravy. 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 A production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, Gravy tells new and complicated stories about the changing American South. In this episode of Gravy, Betsy Shepard takes a food tour of Dollywood to gain insight on her musical idol. I traveled to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, near where Dolly Parton grew up, to see Dollywood, her theme park nestled in the foothills of the Smoky Mountains. The shuttle I rode looked like an old trolley car and was brimming with the excited chatter of vacationers who've come far and wide to experience Dolly's Appalachian fantasy land. We have somebody celebrating a birthday this weekend. If we can sing happy birthday, that'd be wonderful. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. The level of happiness that surrounded me felt surreal. Almost as surreal as a theme park themed around a country musician. But if anyone has the personality big enough 
to float a large-scale tourist destination. It's Dolly Parton. And full disclosure, I say that as a huge Dolly fan. I've been collecting her records and singing along to them since I was a teenager. I've belted 9 to 5 on many morning commutes. And karaoke Dolly's disco song, Baby, I'm burning, while pantomiming the song's weird laser gun sound effects. And Parton's triumphant 70s hit, The Seeker, has seen me through more than a few bad days. Underneath Dolly's magnetic personality is a shrewd businesswoman. Growing up the daughter of sharecroppers with her 11 siblings, Dolly bootstrapped her way to success and broke all kinds of gender barriers to release 41 top 10 country albums, more than any other artist in the genre. She taught herself to play guitar, banjo, fiddle, dulcimer, piano, auto harp, and saxophone. And she's pinned over 3,000 songs, including I Will Always Love You. A song, mind you, she wrote not about a romantic breakup, but about her decision to step out of the shadow of her mentor, Porter Wagner, and forge ahead as a solo artist. Elvis tried to buy the rights to I Will Always Love You. But Dolly went against her advisors and turned him down. She later licensed the song to Whitney Houston, and it became one of the best-selling singles of all time. Dolly says she made enough money off publishing royalties from Whitney that she could buy Graceland if she wanted to. But she didn't. Instead, she invested her earnings in Dollywood, a destination for her music devotees. After passing through the park gates, the trolley dropped us off at Show Street, a tableau of small-town America where marching bands parade past quaint storefronts. I was there tagging along with a group of food bloggers invited to dine at Dollywood. I initially reached out to the company about getting a media badge to do a food story and was given permission to bring my recording equipment inside the park during this pre-scheduled tasting tour. Some people go on vacation and actually stay on their diets. I don't know how that works, (laughs) but we can usually try to accommodate. That's Amber Davis, the publicist who organized the tasting tour. She led us into Spotlight Bakery to check out its oversized apple pie. Here's Katherine Hallman, who's been baking for 52 years. What we use is 20 pounds of apples, and then it's made from scratch. We use real butter, sugar, flour, salt, and everything, put it together, and then we bake it for 90 minutes, and then we bring it out, and we brush the crust with an egg wash so it browns up pretty, and then we put it back, and it bakes for another 30 minutes, and it takes about 12 hours to cook. One piece is about the size of a regular nine-inch pie. Wow. <laughs> if you hadn't caught on, we like to do things large <laughs> at the bakery and at Dollywood in general. You will need $189.99 to purchase the whole pie. And you'll also need a small army to help you eat it. Amber walked us across the street to the sweet shop, an old-timey candy store and ice cream parlor. 
can watch our master craftsmen actually making candy right here. What are you working on this morning? Uh, this is homemade caramel. Oh, wonderful. You can also watch them make fudge, saltwater taffy, and a traditional Appalachian sweet called potato candy, which was invented by resourceful home cooks, turning leftover mashed potatoes into dessert. The white is confectionery sugar and potatoes, and then it's rolled in peanut butter. It's very good, very sweet. Here we use potato flakes. Now my grandma, she used real mashed potatoes. It's very popular. That's really good. Mm-hmm. It tastes like peanut butter fudge. Mm-hmm. I like it. We headed to the next section of the park, where small town America gave way to a rustic Appalachian-inspired area called Rivertown Junction. We made a pit stop at Country Cookers as they made a fresh batch of kettle corn, available in flavors like barbecue, cheddar bacon, German chocolate, and cherry cordial. Around the corner from the snack vendor, we passed a more austere scene. At the center of town and the heart of the theme park sits Dolly's Tennessee Mountain Home, a replica of the two-room log cabin where the Parton family of 14 once lived. Amber describes the replica and Dolly's upbringing. Her brother built it and her mother decorated it. So um, pretty much from the source. <laughs> You've got, uh, you notice newspapers on the walls because that's what they did. Again, you have to remember, Dolly's family was very poor. So they had some, some nights that may have been spam or it may have been potted meat. They made things stretch as long as they could. As a fan, it was fascinating to glimpse into Dolly's home life. The cabin had no electricity or running water and existed in a world far away from Dollywood's huge expanse of roller coasters and seemingly endless offerings of food and live entertainment. I asked Amber about this. If you know Dolly, she's very proud of her humble beginnings. She's proud of the people who are hardworking mountain people. She's proud of the Appalachian culture and traditions and values. Um, And that's what Dollywood seeks to preserve. It's educating the next generation of, hey, this is where we come from. This is how we got to where we are. And we're proud of that. We trudged up to Craftsman's Valley, a region of the park that puts Appalachian history and folk practices on full display. Blacksmiths pound out ironworks in a fiery forge, and glassblowers handcraft a variety of ornamental goods in an outdoor glass studio. Leatherworkers make belts and purses alongside potters and woodworkers. Craftsman's Valley also showcases locally made foods. We stopped at an outdoor kitchen where a woman was stirring a cauldron of pork rinds as they fried to a crisp. The Dollywood grist mill makes and sells stone ground flour, cornmeal, and grits. With a huge water wheel, the structure is designed after a hydro power mill from the 19th century. The bottom level contains a kitchen where visitors are invited to watch bakers make cinnamon bread Dollywood's most popular snack. Can you describe what you're doing right there? Yeah, yeah, I'm making a mess. You just dip it real quick so it gets enough butter on here to make everything else stick. 
regular white sugar and cinnamon. About how many cinnamon breads do you think you'll make a day? On a busy day, we can do 200 an hour. 200 an hour. And you're pretty much running all day? All day. Craftsman's Valley is also where most of Dollywood's full-service restaurants are located. Sous chef Rob Alford was recently hired to oversee the park's kitchens and update its menus. Having worked in casino restaurants, Rob knows the challenges of cooking high-volume, crowd-pleasing dishes. There has been a history in theme parks of making it easy and buying a bag product, but uh, we're transitioning out of that and we're really working towards making all of our food fresh, making all of our food in-house. And I love some of the local things I've found around here. Uh, Sweetwater cheese and Benton's bacon are big on park. But more than that, we've got fresh tomatoes, fresh berries, fresh honey. And I really want to see a lot of that come through. No surprise. Most of Dollywood's restaurants serve her take on down-home Southern food. Chef Alfred joined our group for dinner at Granny Ogle's Ham and Beans which is named after Dolly's favorite cook, the grandmother of her childhood best friend and longtime assistant, Judy Ogle. We were treated to a family-style meal presented in cast iron skillets and mason jars for added effect. The restaurant's specialty is pinto beans cooked with pit-smoked ham and served with cornbread. It's a Mountain South staple made from inexpensive dry goods like beans, cornmeal, and salted meat to supply protein during lean winter months. Granny Ogle's spread also included pot roast, garlic turnip greens, mashed potatoes and gravy, and pork rinds served with a pimented cheese dip. The meal was topped off with lemon blueberry skillet cake served with vanilla ice cream from the local Mayfield Dairy. After dinner, I asked Chef Alfred what he hopes people take away from his cooking. I'd like for them to appreciate the Southern culture the flavors that they can talk about and tell all their friends about and really enjoy. Uh, Dollywood's about making memories worth repeating and I think food is definitely a way to make those memories. When we come back, Betsy Shepard will explore how memories made at Dollywood tap into broader cultural memories and myths of Appalachia. Heavy on the myths. Yeah. But first, Hi, it's Melissa, and if you're looking for another great podcast from the South, then you have to check out No Small Endeavor, produced by our friends at Great Feeling Studios and PRX. Each episode, award-winning professor and Nashville native Lee C. Camp merges the worlds of philosophy, theology, the arts, and more to ask the question, how can we live a good life while nourishing the soul? Plus, it's the only show I know that features everyone from legendary actor and filmmaker Rob Reiner to Southern activist and author Anthony Ray Hinton. So go ahead, follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and tell them Gravy said hey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
on your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. A quick road trip suggestion. If you travel near Atlanta or Athens or Nashville, detour to Taqueria del Sol. Co-owners Eddie Hernandez and Mike Clank serve fish tacos and Memphis-style barbecue tacos, peerless cheese dip, and enchiladas smothered with pork and green chili sauce. The SFA staff favorite duo is a fried chicken taco and a bowl of Eddie's turnip greens spiked with chili darabol. For many years of support for SFA work, film, oral history, and this podcast, we thank our great friends at Taqueria del Sol. Like many attractions at Dollywood, food is a performance. And the sound and smell of it being made contribute to the park's immersive sense of place. Banjo pickers, Appalachian cloggers, old-time fiddlers, bluegrass bands, and southern gospel quartets canvas the park. Every hour, a steam-powered train cuts through Dollywood and takes passengers on a ride through the Smokies where stereotypical scenes of mountain life are staged using props like a moonshine still, an outhouse, and a clothesline full of patched garments. Wooden roller coaster rides and log rides are made to look like local sawmills and timber companies, and tunnel rides riff off the area's history of coal mining. Unlike most tourist attractions, it's not trying to replicate something that's elsewhere. It's trying to create a fantasy of the world that surrounds it. Um, And all of that comes through Dolly's mythology and her storytelling and uh, her sense of place. This is Graham Hoppe. He's visited Dollywood over 25 times. And I wrote a book about Dolly Parton and her theme park Dollywood called Gone Dollywood and has come to think of the park as an extension of Dolly's public persona. Dolly Parton is somebody who happens to have grown up living a very authentically Appalachian mountain life. You know, she grew up without running water, grew up without electricity, etc. And she kind of has this perfect country music origin story. If you want somebody who feels like they've lived the real thing, Dolly Parton's life story really fits it. She tells people that story. She makes it a part of her songwriting and a part of her music. Dollywood's Chasing Rainbows Museum tells that origin story. With artifacts and memorabilia, this part of the park is specifically designed for superfans. I came to experience my music idol in a new way. And I did. From a poof of glitter, Dolly materialized on stage as a shimmery hologram. I always wish that I could personally greet each and every guest that comes here. Well, as it turns out, that's another one of my dreams that I was able to make come true. Now, everything you see and hear in this museum is part of my journey. Memories of a little girl that dared to dream big. The museum picks up where the two-room cabin leaves off, telling how adolescent Dolly started her career singing into a tin can that she rigged up to look like a microphone. 
and how she released Puppy Love, her first single at age 10. The museum also tells a rags-to-riches story in which Dolly's schoolmates taunted her for a patchwork coat her mom made and how the painful experience inspired her 1971 hit song, Coat of Many Colors. My coat of many colors that my mama made for me Made only from rags, but I wore it so proudly The determined young musician moved to Nashville the day after she graduated high school to become a professional songwriter. Though she left the mountains, she built a career talking and singing about her roots. She even wrote a concept album about Appalachia called My Tennessee Mountain Home, which included the country hit. In the good old days, when times were bad. One through line of her story is growing up in poverty, is growing up the hard scrabble Appalachian life. The other kind of through line is that she grew up in a county that had a consistent flow of people coming to see what mountain life was about, coming to see the beauty of the national park. People have been vacationing in the mountain south since the late 19th century. And when the Great Smoky Mountains National Park was created in 1940, auto tourism brought revenue and development to Pigeon Forge, as well as consumer demand for Appalachian music and culture. Dolly always recognized the value of her upbringing But as she hit the stage and performed live on regional radio shows, she began to recognize the narrative power she had over an audience. Dolly and the Pigeon Forge tourism industry are in conversation. There's a history there that she's aware of and she knows. And she's grown up thinking about how to present her hometown and seeing how it's been presented to thousands of travelers going back for over a century. The same keenness that guided Dolly to write songs about her home place has steered her throughout her career in the entertainment industry. Dolly lit up the screen in movies like Steel Magnolias and Nine to Five. She produced the cult TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer and even recorded duets with Miley Cyrus and Kesha in recent years. So a theme park fits pretty squarely in that roster. In 1982, Dolly did an interview with Barbara Walters announcing her plans to open Dollywood. The broadcast was seen by the Hershend family, the owners of a Pigeon Forge theme park called Silver Dollar City, and they quickly invited Dolly to partner with them and remake their park into her vision of Appalachia. Here again is Dollywood publicist Amber Davis. First of all, she wanted to invite people from around the world to see how beautiful her home is. She also thought, well, I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. People in my home need jobs. You know, this not too long ago was a very rural, poor county. Opening Dollywood was a turning point. I mean, Dollywood is the largest employer in this county. Business doubled the first year of Dollywood and has continued to grow. Dolly Parton remade the park in her own image, and the tourism boom that grew up around Dollywood transformed the entire area. One of the main industries of East Tennessee is tourism, and you can see it driving through Pigeon Forge, where you have the Pigeon Forge Parkway, which has become this sort of incredible neon 
developed a swath of hotels and motels and wax museums and go-karts and restaurants and shopping centers, outlet malls, they can kind of be overpowering, especially if you're thinking you're going to drive in to see a kind of bucolic landscape and then you find yourself staring down the barrel of a Ripley's Believe It or Not. Dollywood recently unveiled Wildwood Grove, a $37 million investment in the park's largest expansion to date. The new section has a massive tree with colorful LED lights and animal-themed rides and roller coasters to capture the sense of wonder that the mountain wilderness instilled in Dolly as a child. I wouldn't say it's a fantasy land. It's not some far-off place, you know, that you only dream of. It's something that could be real. Throughout her career, Dolly has deflected questions about cosmetic surgery with her token witticism. I may look fake, but I'm real where it counts. Graham Hoppy says that could be Dollywood's slogan. What is being presented to you as authentic is not necessarily the authentic experience, right? Dollywood is a recreation. There's nothing that's real about it. It's an artificial environment. But there is real pride. There's real care. There are real jobs. She is a glitzy, showy entertainer. But her songs are rooted in real emotion, and people have a deep, real connection to her. Part of what originally drove travelers to the mountain south in the late 19th and early 20th centuries was a desire to see a pristine landscape and its local people protected by the mountains from outside influence. They wanted to consume something authentic. The more changes technology and industry bring, the more people want to experience a place outside of time. Dollywood feeds that craving and the local economy with a well-crafted story of something that could be real. Independent audio producer Betsy Shepard reported this episode for Gravy. Betsy has lived in 10 different cities in the last 15 years, including Pickles Gap, Arkansas, and St. Petersburg, Russia. Where they have really good pickles, too. <laughs> she now lives in the French Quarter in New Orleans. Special thanks go to who, Melissa Hall? We thank Wendell Patrick for Gravy's theme music, Jazar for our donor music. Managing editor for Gravy and all other SFA media is Sarah Camp Milam. Mary Beth Laster serves as our publisher. Her son David recommends the nearby Titanic Museum, asking to see his scale model. <laughs> Join the Southern Foodways Alliance at our upcoming fall symposium here in Oxford, October 24th through the 26th. Hear musician Lee Baines get worked up about the fight for 15 and taste morning biscuits from Erica Council. Tickets are on sale now at southernfoodways.org. While you're there, sign up for our weekly digest and learn more. And purchase tickets and stuff. I'm Melissa Hall. I'm John T. Edge. Thanks for letting us pour some gravy in your ear.